Hello, my name is Trent Reinsmith, and I am the host of the Come On Now MMA podcast. It is June 24th, and time for a new edition of the Daily MMA podcast. So I want to open up here, uh, talk about Jeff Neal, uh, and he is the number 11 ranked welterweight uh, in the official UFC rankings. He is coming off a December win over Mike Perry, first round TKO. Before that, he had a second round TKO in July of 2019, uh, went over Nico Price, and that one netted him a performance of the night. He is undefeated in the UFC, he has one, two, three, five, five UFC wins. Four of those are stoppages. None of those have gone to the third round. One decision, and that was against Bilal Muhammad. So, not bad. Not not a bad little run here for Jeff Neal. The problem is he can't get a fight. And he spoke to James Lynch of the score. And here's here's what he had to say, and I'll just, uh, this is a quote from Jeff Neal. I tell people I'm in purgatory in my career. I'm ranked number 11, not in the top 10 yet. I don't have a big following behind me, so everybody that I want to fight doesn't want to fight me because I'm a big risk. I'm somebody who knocks people out, so I'm dangerous for their stock. So I see why they don't want to accept the fight with me, but it's bull- still bullshit. I need to get paid, but I'm just sitting out here waiting. Um, and goes on to say that he's trying to fight uh, Michael Chiesa and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, He doesn't know if those folks have been offered to fight, but he knows he wants to fight them. Um, And here's here's where things get a little interesting. He said he's he's had to take a a, a second job here now. Um, He works at Texas Steakhouse. Um, He's a server at Texas Steakhouse, and he said, I actually started working again right before COVID because I could foresee that I was going to be sitting on the bench for a while, so I needed to start doing something, so I'm actually back working. Um, Started working on Wednesday. I'm actually going home now to get ready for work, which, you know, you don't want to hear um, that a fighter getting close to breaking into the top 10 in any weight division has to, has to go back to, to working a, a regular gig because he can't get a fight. So if if the reason that Neil can't get a fight is because no one above him wants to fight him because he's high risk, low reward, if the reason no one below him wants to fight him because he's, uh, he's going to keep them from moving up the rankings, uh, why why should Neil be punished? Uh, so I mean, what what's what's preventing what's preventing Neil um, what's preventing the UFC from giving Neil a little extra money uh, or his and his opponent a little extra money to take a high risk fight? I mean Neil wants to fight a higher 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 ranked guys, of course. So what's preventing the UFC from offering these higher ranked guys a little bit of money? Um, to fight him, it, and the answer is nothing other than it breaks precedents. But 
if you've got a guy out here who's, you know, out there willing to fight, willing, able, wants to fight someone, get him a fight. Um, especially in the situation we're in right now where we're recycling fighters and they're fighting every once every three or four weeks here at the Apex. What's what's why can't Jeff Neal get a fight if it's if it's monetary um, from someone that's ranked higher than him? If they don't want to take it because of the the risk reward, well, give them some money. We know the money's there. This this money shit's got to stop. The, the purse strings can be loosened on occasion. The UFC has the money, and so Jeff Neal needs to. Uh, so they need to break out some cash to get Jeff Neal to fight. Um. And hopefully that happens. The other thing I think, so we have a fighter here that's willing and able to fight who's, who I'm going to assume is bothering the UFC about getting a fight. He's offering the UFC his services and either they can't get him a fight or won't get him a fight. Why can the UFC punish fighters for turning down fights and add length of time to their contract, but they can't reciprocate on the other side when they have a fighter that's willing, able to fight, but they can't satisfy him or her so why is doesn't that work both ways well we know why it doesn't work both ways because every contract's slanted towards the ufc but th there has to be a solution here and like i said especially during the time we're in now where where some fighters are, have fought twice at the ufc apex in the last month and now you got a top 11 ranked fighter who can't get a fight because and i'm gonna assume it's coming down to money so what's preventing the UFC from paying him a little stipend to keep him able to be fight ready? What's, what's stopping that? And again, like I said, nothing's stopping that other than the UFC's stingy and wants to hold on to as much money as it can. So I think the solution here for Neil is either the UFC um, opens up the purse strings and gets, and, and gets a uh, opponent that's willing to fight him for a little more money pays Neil a stipend um, to to keep him able to be fight ready for when a fighter does want to fight him or when things open back up or a situation arises where he can get a fight or and this one's probably not going to happen um, knock a fight off his contract and uh because you'll you'll add a fight to or a time to a fighter's contract if he turns down a fight, so I, I feel pretty bad for Jeff Neal here. Um, circumstances are not doing him a favor, and hopefully something gets done. But from what we see from the UFC on um, a lot of past situations, he's just gonna have to suck it up, work at Texas Steakhouse, probably end up taking a short notice fight. Um, while working at Texas Steakhouse and getting a shitty training camp and maybe hurting his future prospects. So, again, the fighters, the fighters lose. The UFC doesn't even bat an eye. Uh, Mark Ramundi from ESPN just uh, not long ago posted a story about how the UFC is going to up its coronavirus testing for the quote-unquote Fight Island events. Um, and it looks like it's very thorough, very complete, and 
And let me just read what uh, uh, Ramondi wrote here on ESPN.com. When everyone, um, oh, let me start over here. So the fighters are going to start traveling next week, and they'll travel to Anchor Cities before the UFC is going to fly charter flights over to Abu Dhabi for the events. And it says fighters and corner people from the U.S. will travel to Vegas. Those in Brazil will go to Sao Paulo. Fighters and corners located elsewhere will go to either London or Moscow. And then this is where things will will start uh, picking up. So once they arrive in those anchor cities, they're going to get uh, COVID-19 tested and quarantined before leaving for uncharted flights to Abu Dhabi. And then they are going to get uh, tested twice after they arrive in Abu Dhabi. And they'll quarantine um, until those test results come back. And then they get um, tested again before the fight. And finally, it says here they will also be tested after the fight card um, which is a an additional test that they have not had so this is without a doubt the most thorough uh, plan the UFC has put into place as far as COVID-19 testing has gone the only thing I would like to see added would be a test two weeks after they arrive home just to make sure they're they're safe um, from the travel but um, yeah because they could pick something up during the travel time but really that's the only miss here um, that I can that I can see and that's the only thing that I would like to see added I know the NSAC um, documentation said that it was requiring a a post-event protocol. Um, I don't know if that ever happened. I did ask the NSAC. I did not get an answer. Um, I'm going to probably file some FOIA requests on that. Um, I know Stephen Morocco at MMA Fighting has filed some FOIA requests with the commission in Nevada, and he got shot down. But I'll take a chance and see what happens as well. But yeah, this uh, this um, protocol, and Ramondi also tested a flow. I mean, tested tech. Um, he also uh, tweeted out a flow chart of how this is all going to look, and I really this is great. It's just it's it's really good, and my my hope is that once the UFC goes back to the apex after these Abu Dhabi events, that this this protocol will also go with them so I, I'm, I'm and I you know I've been one of the most vocal um, people on this COVID-19 but this looks this looks real good very good and I'm glad that it's this thorough um, and maybe the uh, maybe Dana White will uh, change his tune on people being a bunch of pussies now yeah, the only thing I could suggest is adding that uh, after they get home, the, the two-week quarantine and, uh, and a test after that. But other than that, pretty much a, as close to perfect as the UFC has been on, uh, 
on COVID-19 testing for any of their events. So, um, yeah, very nicely done. Very nicely done. The, uh, the hits keep coming here for the UFC and, um, in relation to COVID-19 tonight. MMA junkies Nolan King recently put out a story on Billy Quarantello and Matt Frivola. And if you remember, Quarantello was uh, going to corner Frivola at, at last weekend's uh, EFC, UFC on ESPN 11 fight card, but he tested, Quarantello t- tested positive for COVID-19, and so um, Frivola was also removed from the fight card for the sake of safety, which was the right move, I believe. And uh, we found out that the the Nevada State Athletic Commission's COVID-19 rules were adhered to here. Um, Quarantillo and Frivola had the option to stay in Nevada for two weeks and quarantine there or travel home by car and to Florida. And they, they decided to... to uh, to do the car traveling, and that is per the COVID-19 um, protocol of, of Nevada. So it was good to see that, um, that that it was something new that was added above and beyond the UFC's protocol. So it's good to know that um, this was done. This was another question that I had asked Nevada that uh, I didn't get back an answer back. Um, and uh, well, I got my answer now. So again, it's good to see that this was the protocol was adhered to, um, and Quarantel is still asymptomatic. So we'll see what's happening there. But I think uh, I think all in all, this this one worked out the way it 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 should have, and the way the the protocol was written for it to to work itself out like this. So, again, um, not good job here by Nevada, um, and it's good to see these things, um, the the protocols being adhered to. Well, it seems that um, Sean O'Malley got some bad news when he opened his check for his. Um, Reebok um, royalties from his fight gear, branded fight gear. Um, he spoke to Brennan Schaub's food truck diaries. And here's what Mr. O'Malley had to say. I got royalties from Reebok, if I read it right, which I think I did, and I even sent it to my dad like, did I read this right? And he said yes, so unless we both can't read... Reebok made over a million dollars on all my merch, and I got like 30 grand. I'm like, what the F? It's ridiculous. I thought I got 15%, and they're like, well, you get 15% of this, but of this, and then these guys get it, and then you get 15% of that. And what it all boiled down to um, when somebody spoke to... Reebok, and I think it was Yahoo Sports, and they said, yeah, those royalties are paid out by the individual fighters' contract with the UFC. So basically, 
and I, I'll try and find the original story when the UFC uh, and Reebok announced that fighters would get royalties from their their own branded um, gear and 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 shirts and shorts and whatever this branded Reebok um, attire. But I think I think O'Malley is right. I think what we were told was fifteen percent, but. Obviously, this is uh, 15% of something far less than what uh, fighters were expecting. So I would like to see uh, how these contracts are worded. Um, and these contracts, I don't know about them, but I would suspe suspect that everyone's contract is the same. And so all these fighters would it would be interesting to see if anyone's made a substantial amount off their off their branded gear uh, royalties but really this whole Reebok deal has uh, been a fiasco for Reebok all they've gotten out of it was bad press um, they took and and even for this way they are taking heat um, from day one about how things worked out and none of that was their doing the the split you know the what Reebok provided the UFC I think it was 70 million dollars worth of um, merchandise and cash that was that 70 million was divided into which you know in, includes the branded gear that the fighters get for every event all that stuff comes out of that 70 million um, and then the UFC charged what I think at the time was some kind of fee. I forget what it was termed, but that also came out of it. And right now I think we're standing at maybe around $40 million has been given to the fighters. And the rest has gone to the, uh, to the UFC or is built into the, uh, the product that they've handed out or the fees the UFC gets. It's been a real bad deal for Reebok as far as PR goes, and I would be very surprised if um, I, well Reebok's out of the running. I don't know if that's their doing or the UFC's. I'm gonna imagine it was theirs because it it didn't profit them really in any way. Um, so I'd be very surprised to see the number for the next deal and the term. I don't think. The next uh, quote-unquote partner will be in uh, in that same kind of ballpark that Reebok was. I'd be very surprised, and I'd also be surprised if they were um, not more transparent of how this is all going to break out. Because, like I said, and like everybody's seen, none of this was a good deal for Reebok, and I'm going to imagine. They'll be very happy to get out from under this deal. Well, we gotta uh, we gotta file this one away for later. Uh, if you recall, and you should, because it was very recently, Curtis Blades took some heat from UFC President Dana White after his dominant win over Alexander Volkov, where he before the event. Blades tweeted out that he was going to basically wrestle Volkov up, and that's what he did. He was successful on 14 of 25 takedowns and had a good amount of top control time. And after the event, 
Dana White dismissed uh, Blaze's performance, um, said he talked a bunch of shit before the fight and that he didn't live up to that. But the only th comments that I really saw about Blades that Blades made before the fight were that he was going to do exactly what he did, which is wrestle Volkov and, and beat him that way. And that's what he did. But what White failed to mention in that and all of that was that earlier in the week that Blades had spoke up about fighter pay and that he he knew, you know, the split was terrible. Because we all know the split's terrible because no matter how White tries to change the subject or, or move the conversation around, we know from the antitrust lawsuit documentation that the split is close to 80-20 in favor of the UFC. So Blade said that even getting 29% for the fighters would be a huge, make a huge difference. And he's right. Um, the fighters all deserve more money. Uh, most other sports get closer to a 50-50. And I think that was White's not-so-subtle way of sending the message to other fighters that they need to shut up about pay. Um, so now I'm going to seg into Daniel Cormier's comments, and this is the file it away for later, uh, because he, he said to ESPN on his show with, uh, Ariel Hawani, speaking of his upcoming fight with Stipe Miocic for the UFC heavyweight title, I love fighting at the apex. That old leg is going to be right in front of me to grab. I'll be like Curtis Blades. If you want to see a 25-minute stand-up fight, that's not what you're getting. I hope Stipe has his wrestling shoes because with the small cage, single leg, single leg, single leg, single leg, wrestling, it is what it is. Sorry. So if, I don't know if Cormier is joking around with this or if he's serious or if he's just talking trash, uh, but if he does do it, and if he if that's his plan and if he's going to go out and do that that's fine his goal isn't to shouldn't be to want to entertain Dana White um his goal should be to win and get the UFC heavyweight title and if his way to win that title is single leg single leg single leg single leg then so be it but i i want this you know this is something to remember um because Cormier is is and has been a company guy so if he goes out and 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 beats Miocic by this game plan, and White comes out and praises him or doesn't mention the wrestling style, well, you know, come on now, we know why you blasted Blades, and we know why you won't blast Cormier. So let's be realistic here. It's not the style; it's that Blades opened his mouth against Fighter Pay. And Cormier will tow the company line. At least have the, the, the guts to be honest. I mean, everybody knows everybody knows that White was bullshitting there. I mean, we know we know we know why Blades got shit on. It was plain as day. So anyway, I just wanted to uh point that out that Cormier basically said that he's gonna do the exact same same thing that that Curtis Blades does, and if he does Let's see how Dana White reacts to that. And with that, I'm going to call it a night. Stay safe.